You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family compelled by God's love to practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. Our big prayer is this, in Austin as it is in heaven. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Well, um, y'all, uh, if you're new here, my name's Jake, and I'm the uh, lead pastor here. Sorry, I had to put that, that mic away. So glad that you have joined us this, this morning. We are uh, continuing our series in the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, most famous sermon that's ever been given in the history of the world. And Jesus gave this uh, sermon, and it's about the kingdom of God that's coming. It's, it's a beautiful masterpiece, and we're really enjoying walking through it. We've been walking slowly through it. Uh, and so uh, we're like eight weeks in, and today we're beginning chapter six. All right? And so it's going to be fun. And chapter six, Jesus kind of turns a corner in his message, and he begins a new section where he's going to really start talking about uh, what motivates us to do the right thing, our motives when we do what we do. And I'll just tell you, I don't like that he talks about this, you know, because I was like, come on, like, it's like obeying you is, then that's bars high, but then I got to obey you for the right reasons. Like, I don't know about y'all, but like, I know I don't always have the purest motives for doing the right thing. For example, let me just bear my soul with you. Um, when I began uh, dating Krista, senior year at Texas A&M University, say that proudly, even though I'm in enemy, enemy territory, I know that very well. Um, but senior year at Texas A&M University, I meet Krista. I like her from the get-go. It takes me a while to convince her to actually go on a date with me. We go on a couple dates. I'm way into her, but I'm getting the feeling like maybe she's not you know, feeling the same way about me. Like, I start fearing that perhaps I'm headed to the dreaded friend zone. Like, we're like two dates in, and I'm like really worried about this. In fact, she's at campus one night, and so she's like cramming to get this paper done. She's like, don't bother me. And so I'm like, all right, I won't bother you. So I'm at my apartment. All I'm thinking about is how I'm headed to the friend zone. And so I talk talking to my good friend, my roommate, Joey Lacerdo. Some of y'all know him. And, and I say to Joey, I say, hey, like, I, man, this is my deal. Like, I'm afraid I'm headed to the friend zone. And he says, well, you need to do something romantic. For, for Krista. She just you know, got to sweep her off her feet. And so I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And so I'm a poor caution. I don't have any money. But my big idea is like, I'm going to grab a piece of paper, fold that thing in half so it looks like a card, write a sweet little, like, you know, love note to her. It's just like gushy. And then I'm going to go buy a, a long stemmed single red rose, you know, because that's all I had money for. And I'm going to go. And I'm going to go drop it off on, the, on her car, the windshield of her car, the note and the, and the rose, so that when she gets done, she was at campus, you know, trying to get this paper done. When she leaves campus, she goes into her car to go drive home. She's going to see this, and she's going to think, oh, that Jake, I bet you he is the man for me. Yeah, that's how I saw it coming. So, so I go by, so I write the car, note, I go by the rose, I'm headed to campus, and it starts to downpour. Like, really, like, not drizzle, like, downpour, but undeterred. Continue on. Find her car on campus, which was not easy to do. I'm just driving around parking lots aimlessly looking for her car. It takes me forever. But finally, I find her car, and I get out, and I go put the rose on the windshield. I think the water is going to be good for the rose. Keep that thing alive. But then I go to put the, the paper, the note, on the windshield, and I realize this is a dumb idea. Like, it's going to get ruined by the rain. <laughs> 
And that was a problem because I knew that there were other guys that really liked Krista as well. And like, we'd only been on two dates. We weren't exclusive. And I was, the whole reason I was doing this was not because I wanted to do something nice for Krista. It was because I wanted to get out of the friend zone, right? And so I'm like, I get, she needs to know this thing is from me. And now I don't have a way to claim it. So what am I going to do? So I come up with a good plan, right? I said, okay, well, I'm just going to, I'll just, I know where she is on campus, what building. So I'm going to go just drop by. I'll leave the rose on the windshield. And so that when she sees me, she'll put it together. Like, oh, I bet you Jake put the rose on the windshield. So I start walking to the building on campus. Now, mind you, it's pouring down rain. I don't have an umbrella. I'm a, God, I'm a college Who carries umbrellas? I don't have an umbrella. I don't have a jacket. I'm just, you know, I'm just walking in the rain. I, and it's a long walk. And so I finally get to the building. And by the time I step in, I look like I just jumped into a swimming pool. I mean, just with all my clothes on. Like, I was just soaked head to toe. And I don't really think that much of it initially. But as I'm walking through the building trying to find Krista, everyone is staring at me. Like I, and it just starts dawning on me. I look like an absolute idiot. And then I'm like, okay, well, so what, yeah, I just start playing this out of my head. Like I'm going to walk up to Krista, who already told me, leave me alone. I really have to get this, this paper done tonight. And I'm just going to pop in and just be like, hey, I just wanted to say hi. And I drove to campus and walked through the rain to do it. And now I look like an idiot. But anyways, I'll let you be and just leave? And, and like, like, she's going to think I'm a psycho, right? And like, the only thing worse than being in the friend zone is being in the psycho zone, like stay away from that guy, right? And so I'm like, oh my goodness, this is not going well. And I'm, this is dawning on me as I turn the corner and across the room, I see her. Now, thankfully, she doesn't see me yet. And so I turn the corner and I see her and I kid you not, I drop to the ground, like literally on my belly, and, like, there's people right there, and they're, like, looking at me, like, this is, like, wet dude laying on the ground. And I'm, like, I'm just laying there thinking, how do I get out of this? This is bad. This is a bad idea. And so I army crawl back around the corner, and I get up, and I walk back through the rain to my car. And as I'm driving home, I'm thinking, well, I'm really glad I did that because whether she knows it's from me or not, she's just going to see this and smile and she's going to be happy. No, that's not what I was thinking at all. I was thinking, what a waste. What a waste. Like, I, I did all of that and, I, and I'm not even going to get credit. This is a problem. Now, I'm sure none of y'all are as, as pathetic as I am. But my guess is we all struggle at times, for doing the right thing with maybe, you know, some ulterior motives. Doing the right thing for perhaps not the best reason. And we can laugh at that, but the truth is, the reason we do that is because there's something broken in our hearts. There's something messed up in our hearts that's, that's insecure and needs to be noticed and, and, you know, is in it for yourself. And Jesus, he knows that about us. And so he speaks into that in chapter 6 of the Sermon on the Mount. And so let's read this, the beginning of this again. And I want to just help us see what he has to say to us about this. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus begins. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. 
Okay, let me stop there because a couple of things I want you to notice. First of all, notice that this is a warning. What's he say? Be careful. Be careful. Like, pay attention. Parents with kids in the room, how many times do you say be careful every day? You think it's, you think it's five, 10, 20, 100 times? Depends, like, depends on what age they are, you know? But like, when I was, you know, my kids were younger, like, we would say be careful all the time. Be, care- be careful crossing the street. Be careful swinging that stick. Be, be careful walking in front of the swings. Be, you know, be careful, be careful, be careful. Why do you, say, why do you tell someone to be careful? Because there's danger around, and they're not aware of it, right? There's something around that could cause them or impact them negatively, but they don't have a clue. That's, guys, that's what Jesus is saying here. Because there's danger. There's something that could impact us negatively, but it's not on our radar. We're not paying attention. So he says, be careful. Specifically, he says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Now, a couple of things. Righteousness here, this word, uh, is, is, uh, in this instance, can be, is really primarily focused on relating rightly with God and with others. Righteousness, think relating rightly with God and with others. And that's a really good thing. Like Jesus is all for us practicing our righteousness, okay? Like he wants us to do everything from big, big picture stuff, like just loving God and loving others and serving people and all of these big things. He's like he's all for that. But he says, don't do that in front of others to be seen by them. And you think, oh, well, what does that mean? Well, let me tell you real quick what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you can't relate rightly with God and with others if other people are watching. It does not mean that. Let me tell you why we can absolutely know that it does not mean that. Because minutes earlier in this sermon that Jesus was giving, we see it in chapter 5, verse 16, he says this, Let your light shine before others that they may what? See, right? See your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That Jesus is not against you doing good things Relating rightly with God and with others for others to see. He's not against it. He says, actually, he tells us to do that, but he tells us to do it that they may glorify God, not so that they can think you're an awesome person, so that they are impressed by you, so that you get their praise, so that, you know, you're the one who gets the glory. That's what Jesus is warning us against here in chapter 6. He says, don't practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by others or in order to be seen by them, okay? So that's, that's the warning. Let me put it real simply for us. He's saying, be careful not to do good, just to look good to others, okay? Got it? Does that make sense? You tracking with me? You're so quiet. You're so quiet. You're just quiet. Okay. All right. Now, um, my assumption, and perhaps you have the same assumption, is that when, when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, so Jesus doesn't want us to do good to, you know, in order to look good to others because he probably just wants us to do good because it's the right thing to do, right? I mean, that, that would be why he would want us to do good, and then that's what would motivate us or what ought to motivate us to do what's right. But notice, that's not the reason that Jesus gives in this passage. And the reason that he gives in this passage is this. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be uh, 
or to be seen by them, or you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. No reward from your Father in heaven. Now, I can tell by the lack of audible gasps that perhaps that doesn't hit you as a big deal. But it does hit Jesus as a big deal. And I wonder if he knows something that we don't know. Like to Jesus, he's given us this warning. Be careful so that we won't miss out on the reward from our Father in heaven. Like he wants us to actually receive a reward from Father in heaven by how we practice our righteousness. So much so that he's given this warning. He's going to give 17 verses on this topic specifically. It's a big deal to Jesus that it's not a big deal to us, I think, should cause us to wake up. It's a big deal to Jesus. Now, uh, <laughs> you think, well, why, why, does, why would Jesus, or why, you know, why would the Father not reward us for the good things we're doing if we were doing them to look good in front of others? Can't we do good things to look good in front of others and to look good in front of God? Like, can't we have all of that? Why, why does it matter? Well, uh, I love how Dallas Willard addresses this in his book, The Divine Conspiracy. He says this. He says, when we do good deeds to be seen by uh, God, when, sorry, when we do good deeds to be seen by human beings, that is because what we are looking for is something that comes from human beings. God responds to our expectations accordingly. That when we want human approval and esteem and do what we do for the sake of it, God courteously stands aside because, by our wish, it does not concern him. But what we learn, friends, from this passage is that the opposite is true as well. That when we relate rightly to God and to others, just to be seen by him for his pleasure, for his sake, for his glory, he excitedly takes notice and rewards us accordingly. And Jesus is saying, that's what should motivate us to do good. We should relate rightly for the Father's reward. Now, chances are that might strike you as a little funny, because it still feels a bit self-serving, like a self-serving motivation, doesn't it? Like, like in our Western culture, we really like hold up the, the high regard, the, the, the ideal of altruism, right? Like just doing the right thing for the right, you know, for, for just because it's the right thing. And we think, man, that's, that's really good. I think that's good. And I also think it's really rare, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, how often do you do the right thing just because it's the right thing? Perhaps here or there, but what about sustained over like a lifetime? Like we, there's something in us that needs to be, that desires to be seen and noticed when we're doing the right thing especially when the right thing is sacrificial. And guys, Jesus, he, he doesn't say, no, it shouldn't be that way. He, he actually says, no, that's, that's a good desire, but you need to pay attention to who you're doing it for. Who are you wanting to notice you? Are you wanting others to notice you? Are you doing it for the fleeting praise and the inconsistent praise of other people? Or are you doing it for your Father's glory? 
See, in a minute, you're going to see in the passage, he's going to say, if you're doing it for your father, then he's going to see you every time, and he will reward you, and Jesus wants that for you. Now, big question here is, well, what's the reward? Like, can I do some value? Like, can I, can I really like, discern, like, well, the reward of doing it and, and telling everybody that I'm doing it, I might get some praise there, is, is what I would get from the Father good, better than that? So I could make a value judgment right here? Um, Jesus doesn't tell us what the reward is. I wish he had. You know, can you get a little bit more specific, Jesus? Like, go on. And, but we need to be careful not to fill in what the reward is. Don't be thinking, okay, well, that, if, I, if, I, if I care for that person, then boom, I'm going to get that promotion, right? Give me that Tesla or whatever it might be. That, that's, uh, we don't know what the reward is. Here's what we do know. Jesus focuses not on what the reward is, but who's giving it. And friends, if God the Father is the one giving the reward, I think you can take it to the bank that it's good. So, Jesus doesn't want us to miss out on that reward. So he warns us, be careful, be careful. Okay, just spent a lot of time on that first verse. I'm not going to spend that much time on the next three verses, but I wanted to spend that much time on this first verse because it's essentially the thesis statement for the 17 verses that follow in chapter 6. But what Jesus is going to do next is he's going to address three practices of righteousness that were, that were common in that day, and he's going to apply verse 1 to each one of them. Now, the three practices that he's going to address are giving to the needy, that's his words, uh, prayer, and fasting. And those three, I believe he picks those three because they were the core spiritual disciplines or practices of that day. And that, so in the religious culture of first century Judaism, most people were already doing those things. Those were the practices that were just a part of cultural fabric, okay? And so in the next 17 verses, Jesus is not going to call people to care for those in need, and he's not going to call people to pray or call people to fast. He's, instead, he's going to warn his followers not to do those practices hypocritically. Specifically, not to do them in order to look good in front of others. And friends, I just want to point out real quick that we're, we're a church family that really, hold, that really um, values uh, practicing the way of Jesus. We talk about that a lot. We say we're a family that's compelled by God's love to practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. In fact, we, we have it right there on a, on a banner for all y'all to see. This is a big deal to us. But we need, because, and like especially in light of this being a big deal to us, that we value actually practicing the way of Jesus, doing the things that Jesus did and doing them with him, then we would say it's very important that we listen to the warning that Jesus gives here. Because it's possible, and Jesus is telling us, you have to be careful that you and get off track and start doing them for the wrong reason or not the best reason. So be careful. Let's heed what he has to say for us. And so let's begin by looking at verse 2, Matthew 6, verse 2. Jesus says, So when you give to the needy, 
Do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Okay, so you see how Jesus applies the general warning that he gave us in verse 1 to the specific practice of giving to the needy. That that makes sense. You see how that's all connected. Okay, Um, now... This idea, let me tell you a little bit more about giving to the needy. First, you need to know that um, this certainly applies to giving money to those who are in need. But the word, the phrase that's translated in English, give to the needy, is, can also be, you know, used to be translated almsgiving. Um, and it's broader than just simply giving money. It can include giving your time, your energy, or your resources. So I think in this context, we think about it all in all of that, okay? And so they would apply to, yes, giving to those who are in need um, financially. But for us in church, we're like we're doing a food drive right now. We would apply to the food drive we're doing right now. It would apply to uh, fostering children. It would foster, I mean, you think just down the line, it's going to this you know, giving to those or caring for those in need. This is applicable to that, all right? And so, uh, when Je- and I want you to notice that when Jesus, he, he uh, kind of a side here, but he just assumes, right? You know this. He just assumes that we're all doing this. <laughs> he doesn't say if you give to the needy. He says when, right? When you give to the needy. And he does that just because, you know, just to restate something I just said a minute ago. He does that in the Sermon on the Mount because he was speaking to a culture where this was the common practice. It was part of just cultural fabric of that religious society that they set aside money to give to those in need. And so, again, he's not hitting on why you should do this or anything. He's just saying, or that we should do this. He just, he's just saying, when you do this, here's what you need to be careful about. Now, that's because Jesus is speaking to that audience that day. If Jesus was speaking to us today, I don't think he'd make that same assumption. See, because uh, what uh, the people in Jesus' day were often doing for the wrong reasons, we often are not doing at all, <laughs> right? And so I'm not going to, you know, Move off of Jesus' point in this passage. I'm not going to get you know, sidetracked here other than just, I just want you to hear me say, I think the encouragement is here, is that if you are not in your common practice giving to those in need, financially or in your time, your resources, all that, if that's not your part of your life, then repent. And relying on Jesus' power and walking in the Spirit, begin to do that. Because this is, this is a co- the common practice of a follower of Jesus. It's a key practice in following the way of Jesus. So I want to encourage you to do that, okay? But having, having said that, and I'll, I'll just, if you don't know where to start on that, man, I'd love to talk to you after the service. I'm here. I, I got ideas for you. <laughs> I, just, like, I'm not, I could use more money. No, just kidding. I won't tell you to give to me. But I have, I, I can point you to some ways to begin giving or to use your time and to serve, all that kind of stuff. Love to help you with that, okay? So that we can help each other practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. But anyways, that's, that's my little sidetrack on that. Back to the passage. So in this passage, Jesus just assumes you're doing that, and his focus is on making sure you're doing it for the best reason. And so he says, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets to be honored by others. 
Or if you take this on Insta, don't, don't tell everybody at work, well, I'm leaving work right now to go mentor this, this kid. It's just what I do. You know, don't tell your whole MC. Don't look for that pat on the back. Don't look for, uh, don't leverage your service to others as a way to get the attention from other people that they think, oh, you're such a good person or whatever you might be aiming for there. Don't be trying to impress them so you can be honored by them. For according to Jesus, if you do that, then it reveals that you're acting, or to use his word, you're a hypocrite. Now, no one wants to be a hypocrite, right? It's helpful to know that in Jesus' day, the word hypocrite wasn't a pejorative statement like it is today. It literally just meant to be an actor, like in a play. And so he's saying, okay, if you are caring for those in need in order to get others to think you're great, then what that reveals is that you're acting because you don't actually care for those in need. You just care about what others think of you. He says, don't do that. See, that, that's not what the Father's heart is like. No, don't, don't do that. Don't be duplicit. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be an actor. Instead, um, he says... He's, or not instead. He says, if you do that, if, if you're a hypocrite, if you're acting, then here's what I can tell you. Uh, he says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Like if you're just doing it to impress someone, to get that pat on the back, that's fine, but that's all you're going to get. But hear this. Again, let me say it. That's not what Jesus wants for you. He wants something even better for you. And so he tells us how we should give to those in need, verse 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, don't get hung up on, like, how do I ever do something with my right hand without my left hand knowing? Like, I mean, that's just using a figure of speech here. But, the fi- but he's using this figure of speech to paint a picture the type of person he has come to make us into. See, people who, as a result of Jesus' work in our life and our commitment to follow him, grow and mature into the kind of people who naturally do Jesus-type things without even thinking much of it. People for whom, in this case, caring for second nature for them. To quote Dallas Willard again, he says, The kind of people who have been so transformed by their daily walk with God that good deeds naturally flow from their character are precisely the kind of people whose left hand would not notice what their right hand is doing. As, for example, when driving one's own car or speaking one's, uh, one's native language. What they do, they do naturally, often automatically, simply because of what they are, pre- what they are pervasively and internally. These are people who do not have to invest a lot of reflection in doing good for others. Their deeds are in secret, no matter who is watching, for they are absorbed in love of God and of those around them. I love that. Now, to be clear, I don't think that what Jesus is saying here is like you shouldn't ever even pay attention to the good that you're doing. 
it's good. It's, it's good to find joy and satisfaction, purpose and meaning in, in serving others. Jesus is not against that. What he's specifically warning us against here is don't serve others in order to look good in front of others. That's what he's after. Don't do that. Because if you do that, you'll miss out on the Father's reward. But if you do it for his glory, living for an audience of one, to use that for secret, then he's going to reward you. And again, that's what Jesus wants for you. A um, couple of things before I wrap up that I find just so amazing, so remarkable about this. The first is, you know what this means? It means that God notices you. It means that God notices you. See, the reason why he sees what's done in secret is because he's paying attention to you. And honestly, I think this is one of the main things that we need to know if we're going to break free from the pull of doing good for hypocritical reasons. See, doing good just to look good to others, the reason we're, we're pulled to do that is because we want to be seen for doing good. But friends, you are seen. You are seen by God. He notices you. God notices you. The Father, your Father, notices you. He's watching. When my kids were little, anytime they did something they thought was cool, they would say, hey, Dad, watch this. Then they'd do a cannonball into the pool. They'd jump the curb with the bike. Della would do a pirouette. I would just watch. That's all they wanted. They'd look up and see that I was watching the whole time. They would usually ask, did you watch the whole time? Yeah, I watched the whole time. <laughs> then they'd just smile, and they'd run off and do the next cool thing. And then seconds later, I would hear, hey, Dad, watch this. Why? Because they just wanted to be seen for the cool things that they were doing. Friends, when you serve others, when you give to those in need, when you practice your righteousness, your dad is watching you. He sees it. He sees you. He loves it. He loves it. Jesus wants you to know that. Another thing he wants you to know is that not only is he watching, but he's looking for opportunities to reward you. See, in this teaching, Jesus doesn't say, if you do good to look good before others, the Father will condemn you and punish you. He doesn't say that. He just says the Father is not going to get involved. If you want the praise of others, he'll just step aside because it doesn't involve him. But if you love well, if you meet needs in secret, not to get noticed by others, he will always see you and reward you. And Jesus, God the Son, wants that for us. He wants you to be rewarded by God. That's why he gives us this warning. For Christmas, my family got a puppy. And it's so cute, and uh, it's a giant handful. And it, it's like, like killing, killing me. Um, <laughs> 
and trying to kill our whole family. It bites us all the time. She's awesome, but she attacks us. And so we're trying to train her. And my way of training her is to always get onto her when she does something wrong. My wife, who is so much more godly than I am, uh, so much kinder, her way of training is to uh, look for any time that our dog is doing the right thing and reward her. Like she literally, Krista literally walks around with, with a handful of small little dog treats and looks for opportunities to say, good job, good job, you know, way to not be biting us. <laughs> those, those kind of things. I was thinking about that this week in light of what Jesus says here, and I was just like, man, that's like, that's like what the Father's like. like he, he's not just looking to pounce on us when we do th- everything wrong. That he's paying attention. He's watching you. He sees you. If you are in Christ, if you are uh, uh, put your faith in Jesus alone, for the forgiveness of your sins, you're reconciled to God through Christ. You are adopted into the family of God. He's your father, and as your father, he's looking for opportunities to reward you. Like, is that how you view God? Or do you just see him looking down, shaking his head at you, mad about all the things you're messing up with? That's not what Jesus says God's like. That's, that's a beautiful thing. Your father sees you, and he looks for opportunities to reward you because he's proud of you. When you're obeying him, you're loving people well. I mean, why else do you give people a reward? Because <laughs> you're proud of them. You want to honor them. That's what the father is like. Jesus says, let that, friends, let that motivate you. Let that be what moves you to practice your righteousness. Let that be the thing that helps you give to those in need because your father is watching and he wants to reward you. And for some of y'all, I know many of y'all need to hear that because we have people in our church family who have been serving faithfully for so many years. And we have people who are discipling others or living as a witness on your street or in your workplace or to your family or you have been mentoring or you have been fostering and on and on. And at times, friends, at times, does it not just feel like a waste? At times, don't you just wonder, is anyone even noticing what I'm doing? Like, don't you wonder sometimes, is the people I'm serving, do they even care? Do they even notice how much I'm giving of my time in order to serve them? Friends, it's not a waste. Your father sees it. And he's going to reward you for it. And he loves it. And he's proud of you. So keep going. The word that Jesus uses here for reward and pay back in full. Your father is going to see you. He sees what you're doing. When you give to the needy, he sees it. He's going to pay you back in full. Let that motivate you. Keep going. Let me pray for you in that. As I pray, I want to invite and passing that out as soon as the end of this prayer. Father God, we need to know this, that I do not live in light of this. 
Jesus, thank you for warning us to be careful. And not just to warn us to be careful, but to warn us to be careful for this because you want something for us. You want us to receive the reward from a father that he wants to give us when we serve him and serve others, when we practice our righteousness for his sake, for his glory, not to the fleeting, temporal, inconsistent pat on the backs, likes on Instagram that we might get when we're doing it for others. God, root us in this. Help us believe it. Let us see you smiling down at us as a proud father as we seek to love people well and care for the needy. Grow us in this, God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We invite you to practice the way of Jesus in Austin with us because as we become more like Jesus, Austin will become more like heaven. Thank you.